All right. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you guys. Grateful to get to worship with you outdoors again. Man, we have, it's just been so beautiful out here the last few weeks. Just thankful to get to worship with you guys out here. Uh, if you are new or visiting, especially just want to say welcome. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. And if I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you at some point. So come say hello to me. I find sometimes people think like I'm too important or something like that. And they're like, I don't know if I should go talk to him. I'm just normal and I'm not that important. So you should come say hi to me. I'd love to meet you. So, um, uh, last week, we finished up a series here at River City uh, in the book of Ruth. And if you missed that or, or the rest of the series or want to find out any more of what we've been doing the last couple of months, you can uh, find that online. Just go to our website, rivercitydbq.org, and you can find whatever you need about that kind of stuff. But this morning, uh, we're actually going to be beginning a new series and my goal of this series is to actually, all the, uh, the, uh, the MCs, they always say I'm going to preach for like 20 minutes, which I haven't even gotten close to 20 minutes, like all of Ruth. I'm going to try to do better at actually uh, doing what the MCs say that I'm going to do. So, um, But this morning, so normally at River City, we just kind of pick a book of the Bible and uh, just truck our way right on through it. And, and the reason why we do that is because we really want to have God's Word be the thing that primarily shapes our time together rather than my words about some idea or my words about God's Word. We really want God's Word to be the thing that really shapes our gatherings. And so that's why we normally just kind of pick a book of the Bible and work our way through it verse by verse. But Sometimes it's important for us as well to study various themes or various ideas that, um, that, that, are, that are found kind of woven throughout the story of Scripture. And studying these overarching themes, what it can do is it can help us sometimes to understand the, the bigger picture about who God is or what he's like or, or what it means for us to be his people and to live as his people in the world. And... Um, and, and who, we're, who we are and who we're called to be. And so that's what we're actually going to be doing the next couple of weeks here at River City. And so the theme that we're going to be exploring uh, as we take a look throughout Scripture is the, is the identity of God's people as exiles. And um, see, in the, both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Bible not only describes God's, his people as exiles, but it actually highlights the fact that, that seeing ourselves as exiles is actually inextricably linked with understanding our calling and our purpose as God's people in the world. That, that having the perspective of an exile is, is inextricably linked with what it means to understand who God's people are and what it means to live as his people in the world. And so understanding what the Bible teaches about God's people living with the perspective of an exile, it's, it's really fundamentally important because it shapes not only how we think about, how we relate to, or how we engage with the world around us every day. It, it impacts the way we think about our family and our friends and our coworkers. It, it affects the way that we think about the broader culture and the society that we live in. It, it affects the way that we think about how we might relate to government and, and power structures in our day. And the reality is, is that if we're going to think about and relate to and engage with the world around us as God calls his people to do, then we're going to need to learn how to live in the way of the exile. And so that's where we're headed the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm just going to shoot straight with you this morning. Uh, I was looking through my notes last night uh, before bed and I just felt like what I had prepped wasn't, it just, it just wasn't exactly right. And so uh, I scrapped all of that at about 10 o'clock last night. And so buckle up, 
because it's either going to be amazing because the Holy Spirit's just totally rolling with it, or it's going to be real interesting because it'll just be a train wreck or something, okay? So either way, it's bound to be engaging this morning, all right? And so let's pray, and we'll dive into our time in God's Word together. Jesus, uh, we are grateful that you would gather us here this morning uh, to hear from your word and, and in so doing to hear from you. And so God, we are so grateful that you would give your word to us that we might know you as we study it. And so God, we come to you this morning and we just humbly, we just want to say, God, would you speak to us through your word? Uh, God, I, I clearly don't have something special to bring this morning. God, what we need always is you. What we need most is you to speak to us through your word. And so, God, I ask humbly that you would fill me with your spirit and so that our time in your word this morning would be fruitful and good. God, enable us to have soft hearts to respond to what it looks like for us to have the perspective of an exile in the world that we live in. And God, would you be shaping us as a community so that, so that we live and think and act in a way that aligns with your calling and purpose for us as your people in the world. God, uh, none of that's our default mode. None of that we can do on our own. We really need you, King Jesus. And so we ask that you would uh, meet us in our need for you this morning. We pray, amen, amen. Well, um, two really key passages for us as we think in scripture about uh, what it means, uh, when we think about the, per, the, the, what it means to think about the way of the exile. And so I just want to read two passages for you this morning. You can find them in your bulletin, your handout this morning as well. Uh, the first is in Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, begins this way in verse four. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, and pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper." So that's from the Old Testament. And again, here in the New Testament, 1 Peter in chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, he's writing to Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and he uses that same language of exiles. He says in, in uh, verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, sprinkled with his blood. Uh, grace and peace be to you, be yours in abundance. He goes on in chapter 2 to say, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, he says, I urge you then, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Instead, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. And so, as we think about the way of the exile, these are two really foundational passages that help us understand what that perspective looks like See, in both of these passages, God's people are referred to as exiles or sojourners or foreigners. 
In the first passage, it's, it's a literal exile that's being talked about. In the year 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonian Empire. And a, and a year later, the city and the temple were plundered and burned. And, and, and thousands of Israelites were taken from their homes and they were relocated all over the, uh, the ancient Babylon. They became exiles in a place that was altogether different. They were living in a place that was not their home. They were a minority there. They were surrounded by a culture that was full of new gods and new cultures and new people and all different kinds of situations. But in 1 Peter, the, the language that's used, when he refers to them as exiles and foreigners, he, he's, not talking about their, he's not talking about their physical address. He's not talking about their, their, their nationality. He, instead, he's using that language to describe the the spiritual truth that must be the lens through which they look at every area of their lives. You see, they are not citizens of Rome any longer. As followers of Jesus, they, they might have grown up in Rome. They might have lived there all their lives. They, they might have, um, their families might have had roots in the places where they lived for years and generations and generations. But Peter is writing to this people and he says, you're actually foreigners and exiles because you are a citizen of a different kingdom. You're a citizen of a kingdom in which, in a future kingdom in which you are not there yet. You see, and that leads us to the first of, of just two big picture implications I want to highlight for us this morning about what it means to have the perspective of an exile as God's people. And the first is simply this. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. That word exile or sojourner or foreigner, it means, it means a resident alien. It refers to someone who is kind of permanently living in a place that is not their true home. You see, the reality is, is that we might live here in, in this country, in this city, in this world, but this is not our real actual home for God's people. First Peter says that God's people, our true home, our true inheritance is actually being kept in heaven for us. Now this world is not all there is, that it is not the end all be all. In fact, in the grand scheme of eternity is but a blip on the radar. The reality that this world is not our home, it should give us this incredible hope for the future. It means that whatever happens here is the worst things are ever going to get for God's people. That there awaits for us a kingdom and a home in which all things are set right, in which everything is as it should be. But the reality that this world is not our home, it should also dramatically impact the way that you and I live right now, every day, here and now. You see, it's easy to live for the here and now, to live seeking the pleasure or the joy of this that this world has to offer, or just merely trying to avoid the pain that we experience here. It's easy to allow the, the systems and the structure and the, and the priorities of this world to claim our ultimate allegiances and our loyalties. But for God's people, there's an ever-present reality that we are not home yet, that, that we are citizens of a different kingdom. And it's so important that we never forget that. You see, the way of the exile begins by seeing this world as our temporary dwelling. We're residents here. We are resident aliens. We live here, but this is not our true home. It's not our real home. But it's important that we see the second implication, right? Because, because while this world might not be our true home, you see our identity is God's people, his elect exiles. doesn't mean that we disengage from this world. It doesn't mean that we, that we're just, we live disassociated lives just waiting for some future reality to come. 
quite the opposite. It said it means that we see ourselves not just as exiles, but as exile missionaries. This world might not be our home, but it absolutely is our mission field. You see, we're not called to live like immigrants who try to assimilate into the cultures we find ourselves in, nor are we called to live like tourists who are just visiting, who are just passing through. Instead, our calling is to live as foreign ambassadors of the king in which we are citizens of. And the foreign ambassadors were called to care deeply about the people and the places where we live because the king that we represent cares more about them than we ever could. And so, like God instructs his people, sent into exile in Babylon in Jeremiah 29, we build houses and we settle down. We plant gardens and we eat what's produced there. We marry and have sons and daughters. We seek the peace and the prosperity of the city that God has sent us into. And we pray for its good and its benefit and its prosperity. We don't just set up camp outside the city. We don't just kind of try to live disconnected lives, just needing to go to the grocery store, but trying to disconnect ourselves in every way possible. Instead, we move into the city. and We become a part of the city. And we live for the good of the city and the people that are here, not just the people who already know Jesus. We live to be a blessing to the people and the places where we live so that they might meet the king that we represent. You see, that's the very thing that First Peter and that Peter calls the New Testament church to do. As he writes to them in, in the New Testament, he writes to New Testament Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He says, you're God's elect exiles. You're his chosen people. Why did he choose you? He chose you. He saved you. He redeemed you so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him to the world around you. He goes on, he says, as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against you. He says, live such good lives among the pagans. Live such good lives in the city in which you are in that they might, that, they might, uh, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he comes. You see, God's people aren't just exiles in this world. We are exile missionaries, exile ambassadors. We're sent by the king on an urgent mission to a people and a place which does not know him yet. And if we want to live as exile missionaries, if we want to be good, good ambassadors, I think we need to be characterized by at least three things. And the first is that we need to know the king and the kingdom that we represent. See, a good ambassador, he has an intimate relationship with the, with the king and the kingdom that he represents. He knows them well. It's an ongoing kind of thing. See, knowing the king is crucial to knowing where the king is sending you and knowing what it means to be his representative. But a good ambassador doesn't just know the the king or the country they're from. A good ambassador knows the people that they have been sent to live among. They know the people in which they are representing their king to. I just want to ask you this morning, as you think about the, the places where God has put you, whether it's your neighborhoods or, or your workplace or, or the, the, the different community groups that you find yourself in, do you know the people that God has sent you to? Not, not just do you know their names, but are you becoming, are you getting to actually know them? 
Are you starting to find out what, what makes their hearts tick and what things make them excited and what their fears are and what their hopes are and what their dreams and their priorities are? Are you starting to get to know, really know the people that God has put you in the midst of? See, a good ambassador, they know the people that God has sent them to. But lastly and most importantly, I think, a good ambassador, they care deeply about the relationship between the king they represent and the people that they have been sent to. Good ambassador cares about the relationship between the, the king or the country they represent and the people which they have been sent to. It's the whole point of being an ambassador. You want there to be a new and a good ongoing relationship between those people and the kingdom in which you represent. And the question is, do we even care about that? As God's people, do we care about the people he has sent us to, the king we represent, and the relationship between them? You see, the way of the exile requires that we see this world as our temporary home and as our urgent mission field. You see, if you just have the, world, the view that this world is not your home, then you will not care about the people or the places in which God has sent you to. You, you won't be committed to living out the gospel in meaningful ways that impact the lives of people that don't know Jesus yet. You won't have a... And, 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 and the reality is, is that that's not the way of the exile. In fact, not caring about the people that God had sent them to is the, one of the very reasons why the Israelites found themselves sent into Babylon in the first place. You see, but, but we need to not only have the view that this world is not our home, you see, but if you have the view that, just the view that this world is your mission field, then you'll be deeply committed to the people here and living out the commands of Christ, but you will be consumed by simply making this world a better place rather than making people ready for a better world. You see, the way of the exile requires that we see this world as our temporary home. It's not the end. It's not where we are to be in the end. But it is also the urgent mission field in which we have been sent by the king, the great king of the universe. You see, and it's only... It's only when we do both. It's only when we, when we both see our home ultimately as in heaven and we also see this world as our urgent mission place that we will be able to live as Jesus did and as he calls his people to. You see, Jesus knew that this world was not his home and he always lived with eternity in mind and it radically shaped his life and his ministry. But Jesus also saw the people and the places of this world as his urgent mission field. And he deeply cared for the people here. And it mattered to him the ways in which sin had destroyed people's lives, not just their spiritual realities, but the way in which sin had marred people's real lives and their existences. He worked to right wrongs, and he calls his people to do that as well. But the most important thing that you see this morning is that Jesus chose to live as an exile for you. He left his home in heaven and he lived in a place that was not his true home. He didn't do it because he was forced. He did it voluntarily. And he left his home so that you and I could come home 
to be with him. You see, and it's only when you see that Jesus did that for you, when, when he became an exile for you so that you might become a citizen of his kingdom, it's only when that clicks in your heart, in your head, that you'll be able to respond to him by living in the way of an exile, living as one who is a citizen of his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, knowing that this world is not simply your, your home, it's just your dwelling place for a while, but it is also your urgent mission field. You see, and it's only when we see that Jesus has lived that way for us that we'll be able to respond in living that way unto him. See, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're remembering when we're celebrating communion together. We're remembering that Jesus, the great king of the universe, chose to set aside his rights and his privileges and, and his, his authority, and he came to live on this earth as an exile so that you and I might become citizens of his kingdom. And he adopts us into his family. And then he commissions us and sends us as his kingdom ambassadors back into this world to live as his people, his ambassadors, who long for the good of the places and the people that we've been sent to, long that they might know the king that we love and serve. You see, taking communion, it reminds us of that reality in which Jesus has done that for us. And as we take communion it's important that you know that communion, it doesn't make you right with God. It doesn't, it doesn't make you a citizen of his kingdom. It doesn't change your status, your standing with him. Instead, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to remember, to remind ourselves of the king that we serve, the king who became an exile for us, so that in remembering all that he has done for us, we might be full of a love and a gratitude for him that empowers a life lived as his kingdom ambassadors in this world powers of life lived in the way of the exile here and now. And so this morning as we sing and as we worship, if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you have claimed his promise to, to be the one by faith who makes you a citizen of his kingdom, then, then I would encourage you to take communion this morning. Do it joyfully, thankfully. Let it be a reminder for you of all that he's done. Let it fill your heart with gladness and thankfulness unto him. You don't need to be a member here. You just need to belong to Jesus. But if not yet, if you're here this morning, you're still figuring out what it means to follow Jesus and, and what it means to be a part of his kingdom or be a part of his family. And I just want to say this on the front end. You are welcome here. I'm so glad that you would be here to be a part of this community, but I'd encourage you to hold off on taking communion. Instead, what you need most is Jesus. You need him to be the one that redeems and rescues and adopts you into his family and then commissions you as his sent people into the world. And so as we sing this morning, as we take communion, I'd encourage you, talk with God. Some of you are here this morning and you need to be reminded that this world is not your home. You find yourself consumed by the realities of this world and the passions of this world. You find yourself consumed by, by whatever is hitting the news cycle all around us. And you live for the here and the now and your, your chief concerns have everything to do with this world and this reality. And you need to be reminded this morning that this world is not your real home. That your home and your inheritance is waiting for you in heaven as God's people. You see, but some of you are here this morning and you need to be reminded that while this world might not be your home, it is your urgent mission field. And that you have been called and commissioned as God's kingdom people 
to live as exile missionaries here, as ambassadors for the king, so that the people and the places where you have been sent, that they might know the king that you love and serve. And so to that end this morning, let's pray. King Jesus, we, we come before you and we are grateful. We are grateful that you uh, would, would call us your people, that you would rescue us so that we might be your people. And God, and we just confess to you that we don't always live as though this world is not our home. We get consumed by the realities and the, and the present struggles here, whether they're personal or societal. And, and we let those things be the thing that drive all our attitudes and our actions. And Jesus, we need you to remind us that our home is with you in heaven. But also, Jesus, we, we need to confess to you that we forget that this place is also our urgent mission field that you have not just called us to be your people and given us a future hope, but you have sent us into this world so that the world might know you, that they might have a future hope because of you, that they might be adopted into your family, that they might become citizens of your kingdom. And so, King Jesus, as we think these next few weeks about what it means for us to live in the way of the exile, to be your kingdom people sent into this world, King Jesus, would you by your grace... Would you keep shaping us and molding us so that that's who we are? Help us to not only see those realities, but God, give us your heart for this world. Help us to see the things that distract us from living as your people here and now. And empower us by your spirit with your heart for the world that we might be your kingdom people here. Help us to live in the way of the exile. God, as those who see uh, this as not our, our final home, but as our urgent mission field. God, for our good, for the good of our, the places and the people that you have sent us to, and for your great glory, we pray. Amen.